That's a little change from the last time you heard from us. We are back in the confines of our homes. Kyle, instead of being just an arm width away from me, you're sadly over 600 miles away over in Cleveland, Ohio. It's episode 254, (laughs) Top Rope Nation. I'd love to just reach out and give you a big hug, Kyle, but unfortunately, yeah, it's just a little... This way, this way, virtual yeah. hug. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, I guess, despite the fact that I can't tell left from right. And uh, <laughs> I changed my internet connection on you on the opening, by the way. I'm very glad that I'm actually here, even uh, virtually, because I, I was worried that I had dropped myself <laughs> as, as the intro was playing. <laughs> I saw that, like the intro's playing over on the side. I see our videos, and all of a sudden you disappeared. I freaked out a little bit. But. Yeah, I felt bad about that. I'm, I'm sorry. I always forget when I record upstairs, I got to. We, change to the uh booster internet so uh yeah improve the connection yeah very nice um i think we started the stream a little late for facebook so we are not streaming on facebook right now i'm going to throw the link to the youtube video in our Uh facebook group but we should be on twitter we're on twitch and of course the youtube channel so if you want to join us live guys that's why youtube is always the number one place to watch the show we would appreciate it if you'd subscribe to the channel there but as I said, it's episode 254. It's Ryan Drosty. It's Kyle Ross. Justin Joint at work today. He will not be able to join us as it is Monday morning. And we're here to talk about Hell in a Cell 2022 and maybe some other news topics, depending on how much time we have at the end of the show. So uh, heck of a memorable finish to the show, I would say. Kyle, and we've got some things to discuss, uh, just like we did with Double or Nothing, like we do for every pay-per-view or premium live event. Give it a grade, Kyle. What did you think last <sighs> night? Do it. I don't know. I don't know what grade <laughs> I would give it. Um, I'll say this. I, I think up until the main event, we were very much trending towards your average premium live event offering from the WWE. It was a show where I was sifting through the reaction on Twitter, it seemed like I was consistently lower on all the matches than everybody. Mm-hmm. But I, I got to say, that main event, I haven't been that emotionally invested in a WWE match in quite some time. When Cody took the robe off and you saw the purple discoloration, it's just like odd. So better, I, I don't know, you want me to play your game? I'm trying to answer I want you to it. play the game. It's time to play the game, Kyle, oh, yeah. as you love to say. This was better than average. I'll go, I don't know. B, I guess. B minus. B, not B seems fair. That's that's fair. That's about where I'm at, too. That's almost exactly where I was. I, I was like B, B minus, too. Um, definitely before the main event, I was like C minus, C, like nothing egregiously bad, but essentially it was like, watching an episode of raw and definitely raw since there was only one smackdown match uh Mm -hmm. and then yeah the main event i 100 percent agree with you it was incredibly memorable it's you know we always talk about these wwe pay-per-views how they're good in a vacuum nothing happens it's memorable though this one did 
we will remember this match for a long yeah. time with what Cody Rhodes went through to even perform last night was just hellacious. Yes. So I, I, I got to come in at least. Yeah, I'll go B. I'll go B on this. Uh, I look at our Twitter poll at Top Rope Nation where the listeners were at. A little over 100 votes right now. 42% B, about 40% A. I mean, it's very similar to what you would see on an AEW response, I would say. Uh, about 13% a C, 6% D or F. This wasn't a D or F show. No. No. So, I mean, o- overall, to me, really good main event, uh, fun opener. Everything in between was yeah, run-of-the-mill television stuff. Which is... Last month... WrestleMania backlash, it felt like, you know, I can't even remember what was in between the main event and the opener. You had yeah. Cody and Seth in the opener, and then the six yeah. man main event. And I, I don't know, Charlotte wrestled Ronda in there or something. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This one was kind of, I don't know, though. Like, nothing on this show, like you said, was bad. And the booking was fine, I thought. Like, there was pre main event. I think I had written the booking on this show is better than normal for WWE in that I knew barring something dumb in the main event, like putting Seth over or something, I wasn't going to come into this podcast kicking and screaming about one thing, which is rare for a WWE show. Yeah. Where I'm just like, oh my God, this is dumb. I can't believe they did this. There was none of that last night. Yeah. You can argue all the right people went over and we had a memorable main event. Yeah. No, I pretty much agree with that. And yeah, to me, it always comes down to, was it memorable? Was there anything I would rewatch? And although I might not rewatch the main event, it was certainly memorable. And so I, I got to bump it up a little I, bit for that. I, I mean, what would certainly keep it from being an A for me is I, coming in, was not looking forward to watching the show at all. Yes. And, and I can't speak to your timeline. I know mine. Enthusiasm for WWE Hell in a Cell 2022 was really at an all-time low. It felt during mm-hmm. the week there was just no buzz whatsoever for this show all week. I mean, we're just a week removed, obviously, from Vegas AEW Double or nothing. There's been a lot of big news coming out of that promotion, and just no one was looking forward to this whatsoever. I think most people knew who the winners were going to be last night, and those are the people who won. But Credit to Cody Rhodes. I'm not going to say credit to WWE. I'm going to say all credit to Cody Rhodes for giving us something to remember. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Timeline wasn't super active for me on Twitter. Our Facebook group was pretty fun. So again, guys, get in that Facebook group. Link in the description here. If you're not in there, we had a pretty active, funny post going on. A lot of of laughs, I, I thought, during the show. A lot of fun to watch with all of you out there. And so thanks to everyone who joined in there. Uh, also just real quickly mention that we were in Vegas for our last show. If you haven't checked it out, the video, the professionally edited video of Justin and Kyle and myself in that blue wire studio at the win is available on the YouTube channel. Now check it out. It's, it was really, really fun. Uh, the audio downloads for that show are off the charts doing really, really Ooh. well. So thanks to everybody who has tuned in. I think it's pretty close to being already our most downloaded show of the year. And so <laughs> Yeah, lots of people tuned in for that. It turned out really well. I was really, really proud of that. Of course, it's great to hang out with Kyle and Justin in Vegas in person. We had a blast. Um, but, uh, you know, there's something comforting about being in your home studio again, where we've done hundreds of these shows. I got the intimate say. setting, the, the intimate setting for sure. 
So uh, whether you are new to Top Rope Nation, which, you know, by the way, we were passing out stickers in Vegas, advertising the show. Michael Jenkinson, patron of the show, been on the show multiple times. Got to give him a shout out. He was extremely active walking into the T-Mobile arena, passing out those Top Rope Nation stickers. Shout out to him. So if you found out about the show in Vegas, welcome. Subscribe. We're available wherever podcasts are found. So wherever you're listening right now, hit the subscribe button. Leave us a written review. As I mentioned, we are available on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And the number one way to support Top Rope Nation is by becoming a patron of the show. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. There are almost 80 bonus shows available and more every month coming. Uh, You see the names right now scrolling at the bottom of the screen. Thank you to all of you who are patrons. We had two new patrons join up over the last couple of weeks who I want to shout out. So shout out to Alan Stretton and Cam McKay for joining up. We really, really appreciate Thanks, your support. Guys. Hopefully you are diving into all that bonus content yeah. that goes back years yeah. on our and Patreon a, and, feed. And a new one's coming probably later this week, I believe. In a couple days, I'm going to be doing a mailbag over yes. on uh, Top Rope Nation Extra. And who knows? Maybe I'll just throw in some other random thoughts, too. There you go. Maybe Bruce from Connecticut will chime in with his usual <laughs> question. Yeah, it's we got fun stuff for patrons all the time dropping exclusive content. We'll have another Top Rope Nation Classics coming later this month. The poll is up right now, so if you're a patron and you haven't voted yet, it's really close. Yes, that's what I heard. Great American Bash 96 is leading slightly. Uh, ECW One Night Stand 05 is up there. We did 06 last year, so 05 now coming in hot. Uh, King of the Ring 97 is in the mix. Beach Blast 92. Get your votes in. So we know. I mean, we're going to be recording that probably in like two weeks. So that'll be coming for patrons uh, later this month as well. All right. Let's get to the show, Kyle. Okay. Start with the main event. Everyone's going to be talking about this one for years to come, as I said. Now, Cody Rhodes, we, we find out coming into Hell in a Cell that he has fully torn his pectoral. And as you said a couple of minutes ago, he comes out, he takes off the American Nightmare robe. And my God, this guy's entire peck is like purple. It's onto like the back of his arm, around the side a little bit. It's not makeup. It's not paint. It's real life. I mean, if you've ever seen a torn muscle, this is what you see. And first of all, like, how do you feel about him working through this injury? Did that bother you at all? What do you make of that? I mean, it wasn't smart, but it didn't bother me. Okay. I mean, he's a grown man who made a decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could argue, I guess, that the WWE is there to save him from himself and say no. <laughs> but I don't know. That, I mean, that's not my call. I mean, I, I know that it, had they replaced him, again, I said this before and I don't apologize for this. I look at situations like this often very selfishly as a fan. I would have been very disappointed had they replaced Cody Rhodes. Well, I mean, who they even replaced him with? There's one name who could have come out and you would have been extremely happy. I guarantee you wouldn't have been disappointed at all. Who's that? The Fiend. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah, so we can run back that anti-classic from 2019. (laughs) Seth freaking Rollins against The Fiend in Hell in a Cell. Good Lord almighty. So, yeah, look, I mean, again, though, I mean, if you were bothered by it, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you shouldn't be. I mean, it's your own personal prerogative. 
But I just know, as I was sitting there, as I said at the top of the show, I don't think I'd been more emotionally invested in a WWE match in some time. Yeah. And first off, what do we think about WWE selling this as, okay, well, the Torn Peck, it's not from the fight with Rollins on Raw Monday. He injured himself weight training. That was get bizarre. That Why wouldn't you, put, even if it's not how it happened, wouldn't you put over that it happened in a physical way on your television show? Like, yeah. Right? So <laughs> it's funny. Cody working very old school. The yeah. explanation of the injury, not old school at all. Um, <laughs> so we don't want you to think this happened in a physical way on Monday well, Night Raw. No reason to watch Monday Night Raw. It just happened in a private weight room. Yeah. Carry so, on. Yeah. So, you know, don't that little wrestling angle we did all oh, don't mind that he's just an yeah. idiot and hurt himself later in the week i mean what so he, he somewhat hurt it and then he continued to weight train heavily and he tore it so yeah yeah so he comes out and he takes the thing off and i will never forget the well I'll probably i mean i forget a lot of things so probably at some point <laughs> i will forget but as right now it is burned etched into my mind he takes the jacket off and you could almost hear a pin drop. Yeah. When the crowd saw it, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, they're like, that's. And you know what's fascinating to me is, you know, it taking this match taking place in front of a WWE audience. The audience did not know how to respond to this. And it's, we're going to get mad at me for saying this, but I, you know, what do I not run from? The Dirty Diaper Brigade. Yes, or Dirty Diaper Club, whichever. I don't know if they're a brigade now, if they've been upgraded, whatever. But I think Pavlov's dogs were waiting for Pavlov to tell him how to feel. Yes. Am I wrong? Like, they were like, No, no, they didn't know how to respond. I actually think that this could, you know, Meltzer tweeted one of the most compelling professional wrestling matches of all time. I think if it had been in front of an any audience other than a WWE audience, it would have been a, I would agree with that statement. I think the only thing that like kept it from like tippy top tier stuff was, you know, the fact that the WWEans didn't know how to react. They were still like confused in the middle of the match. They were doing, we want tables. I mean, here's a guy with his freaking half of his body discolored, and you're doing a 22-year-old Dudley chant. <laughs> Come on, man. But I, I just that, – that was my big takeaway. Yeah. At least early on. No, I agree. It, it was – and that's an arena that's never quiet. But, yeah, they didn't – it was kind of like, ooh, don't know how to respond to that, seeing that. The reason I asked you about the doctors and, and the injury and stuff is – I mean, you could make the argument that, yeah, they should protect Cody from himself, maybe. And was it advisable to let him perform like that? Like, could he perform? And we had we had a discussion going in the Facebook group about this I saw. And it was like, well, can he make the injury any worse? Probably not. I mean, you can overcompensate for the injury, maybe hurt something else. That's a that's a danger. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I can't make the call. Should he have been in there or not? Cody, this guy's intense. I mean. This guy's a madman. He's very driven. He's going to go out there if you give him the chance. He did. And what he did was incredibly impressive. They had a great main event, not the same main event that they would have had had he not been injured. But the way that they structured the match dramatically was phenomenal. You know, gonna, credit to I'm both guys. Seth as well was incredible. And by the way, the polka dot outfit, really like that. I See, it was, 
I, I get the heat they were going yeah. for, but for yeah. a main event match, do you want to be have the guy dressed in Dusty Rhodes polka dots from 30 well, years I mean, ago? He's the drip god. He's got to have an outfit that I really mean, gets you, you going. You're right. I guess that's, you know, <laughs> what was the alternate outfit? He would have looked like a jackass yeah. no matter yes. what he was wearing, right? So, good yes. point. Yeah. So, Meltzer earlier on Sunday had written, maybe it was in the F4W online.com uh, update. He said, oh, this would have been like, you know, on the short list for WWE matches of the year, if not for this injury. To me, this was far more compelling because of Cody wrestling with the injury than it would have been without. Because if he didn't have the injury, they would have done a very stereotypical WWE Hell in a Cell match that probably to this observer, pointing to me, for those who aren't watching on video, wouldn't have been as compelling as it would have been to the rest of you, probably. Because I don't like formulaic WWE matches. And this was not a formulaic WWE match at all. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I didn't even think that these guys should have been wrestling at all, period. I, You know, going into this match, I didn't want to see them work a third match. Cody beat him clean twice. Why do I need to see a third match? You know, they were good matches, but I didn't even see the logic in having them wrestle again uh, or even having it be in a hell in a cell since it wasn't like a rubber match or anything like that. So... Uh, the injury, yeah, made it more compelling for me, certainly. Unfortunately, I don't want Cody to be injured, but it did make it more musty for me. Yeah, a career-making performance as a babyface for Cody. He's mm-hmm. a main guy now. We'll talk about kind of the future, uh, what may lie ahead for him. But, you know, as far as should he or shouldn't he, I mean, should Mick Foley have kept going at King of the Ring 98 in Hell in a Cell? After no, I mean, people would have been. I mean, if that match would have happened in 2022, people would have been freaking out. Yeah, especially when the you know the tooth went through the roof of his you know into his nose, <laughs> roof of his mouth into his nose. People would be like, "Stop this!" And again, I, I don't know. I mean, it it it's not up to me to decide. I guess. Yeah, and and I just can speak to me. I was far more emotionally invested seeing him try to gut through the match, and it man did it make me respect the hell out of Cody. So let's get to the match. Uh, really, you know, towards the start, we had a long heat segment where um, you know Seth is getting heat for ten minutes, about ten minutes. They went about twenty five, and as you mentioned, Kyle, he goes and he he grabs a table. And the crowd starts chanting, thank you, Rollins. And this was because they wanted a table so bad in that no disqualification match earlier in the show, which we'll, we'll get to. And they didn't get it. And, you know, obviously they were saving the table spot for this match. So that's why they didn't let him do a, a table spot earlier. But, like, there's been many, many WWE shows where there's been multiple table spots. You know, they should have just done it earlier. So it... If you were a novice fan watching that, you might think like, oh my God, they turned on Cody. Thank you, Rollins. wasn't about that. It was just that they were so happy to get a table, Kyle. And why? (laughs) Is what I say. Again, how many times have we seen table spots? Yes. And and they're not that cool. No. It's just, it's a breakaway table. You know, people go, ooh. The guys usually no-sell it within three minutes. Yeah. I mean... Come on, man. I mean, we want to, a 22-year-old Dudley shit. That and what need to go yeah. away? It's not like 95 when they would go through those tables and they weren't breakaway tables and it did actually kind of look pretty impressive. These things, 
immediately break usually if they don't break the stories that it didn't break because they break so easily i think it just goes back to pavlov's dogs it's something that they're trained to want in a match like that they they don't really know how to respond organically to something unique so they chant we want tables then the match reaches a certain point and they chant this is awesome Mm -hmm. you know it's just it's just them you know the puppet master you know moving the puppets in the crowd (laughs) Sorry if you were in that crowd, by the way, and you're offended by these remarks, but I'm not going to apologize for them. I'm sure they're – we know some people who are in that crowd. They yeah. were sharp, they're sharp <laughs> people. Say, they're not yeah. one of them. Okay? I'm sure, yeah. you know, the, the Zach Haydorns, the Mike Franchitos were not chanting, we want tables. At least yeah. I hope you guys weren't. <laughs> I can't imagine Zach was out there chanting that. No. I can't imagine, you know, that they would go and say, what? You know? <laughs> I mean, not that anyone <laughs> did that last night, but, I mean, come on, man. This is awesome. Get, yeah. They get the table out. Cody gets set up on the table, but he dodges a frog splash. Seth goes through the table. At this point, it turns into like a bull rope match. Call back to Dusty. So Cody gets a bull rope out. He wants Seth to put it on. He agrees to do so. Somewhere around this time, Seth cut open his forearm as well. So he's bleeding. The third guy on the show to bleed hard way? Yeah, because AJ did, right? And so did uh, your boy Ezekiel. That's right. Yeah. So he's bleeding. They they turned it into a bull rope match, which was cool. And it was also like a good way to work around the injury, I thought, because it can be more limited when you do this. Uh, eventually, Seth gets another table. Uh, Cody again dodges the table, hits the crossroads for a two count. This is one of the first of many crossroads in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody gets powerbombed through a table in the corner, kicks out. Cody escapes a pedigree, hits a pedigree of his own for a two count. Some people booed at that point. They wanted that to be the finish. A lot uh, of Triple H tribute spots in this match. Yes, there was. Absolutely. Apparently, welcome to 2022 wrestling, where main events are either tributes to Bret Hart or Triple H. <laughs> I'll take Bret Hart if that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. C- Cody picks up the sledgehammer uh, that Rollins had brought into the ring earlier. Rollins runs outside of the ring. And they were both staring at it like Triple H. Like, look at the size of my sledgehammer. Should I do it? Yeah. <laughs> so Cody picks it up. Rollins runs outside the ring. So then Cody chases him outside the ring. Of course, Rollins dives back into the ring. As Cody gets in, Rollins curb stomps him. Two count. Uh, Rollins, Rollins then goes for a curb stomp again. Cody reverses it. Goes for the crossroads. Seth reverses and hits crossroads. Cody rolls through, though, and hits one of his own. Both men are down. They then vie for the sledgehammer. Cody can't lift it because of his injured peck. Seth runs in, but Cody hits the crossroads on him. He hits a second crossroads. He's about to go for a third, but instead he looks at the sledgehammer. Should I use my big sledgehammer, he thinks, again. He goes over there. He's going to put an end to this feud once and for all. Gets that sledgehammer. Hits Seth with it. Covers for the pinfall. Cody Rhodes victorious. I saw it in the chat here. Ryan uh, Gorman had said earlier, good on them for putting over Cody. I agree. Even with the injury, I would have been disappointed if Cody didn't win. Now, you might look at this you know, from an outside perspective. You got this guy who's about to be away for probably at least six months like this is a this is a major injury he has he's not going to be back in a couple of weeks i mean we're looking at a target date of 
maybe the rumble for a return for Cody Rhodes. It's going to be off television. It's going to be off television a long, long time. So if that's the case, do you put over Seth, who's going to be there? I think no, because Cody's special right now. You want him to continue to feel special when he comes back. He will as an injury comeback. But at the same time, like this guy should not be losing under any circumstance. And I think it's the right decision to put him over, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think you should have changed uh, just because of the injury. Because you have to keep the big picture in mind. And big picture, Cody is clearly in the mix at the top long term for Roman Reigns. Now, even if he had been healthy, I don't think he was getting the a world title shot before the fall or maybe even the rumble anyway. This might be an okay thing because we'll talk about what they were at least reportedly going to do for SummerSlam, what I think they might do for SummerSlam now because of another injury. We know what they're doing at the, uh, what, a clash at the castle or whatever that show's called. That's Drew McIntyre he's penciled in. Roman's not defending the title very often. So to be honest with you, if this is our lasting memory of Cody for a while and then he comes back and like wins the Rumble or something, that's okay. And they could keep him on TV. Hmm. You know, he just can't wrestle. You know, I mean, the, I, I think, you know, you think back to like Steve Austin, his meteoric rise, and I'm not comparing this to that, but, you know, when he had his injury in the fall of 97, they found unique ways to keep, you know, to, you, unique things for him to do on television during that run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, couple things to follow up on it as I was listening to you. Uh, so eloquently go through the match, the injury limiting what they could do, I think was for the best actually, because so often these WWE gimmick matches have too many ideas and they just go idea, idea, idea. And none of the ideas really stick. You just kind of forget, you know, you care about them when they happen, then they go in a different direction and you forget about the three previous ideas you saw this. it, It, the discoloration, the pec injury, it that was the story. And it was just there for you. You couldn't forget what it was in this instance. So I actually think be, this match was better because they did less. Like, I agree. I, it, made it, diff- it made it different. Yeah, I, I liked this match better than the first two, which I don't think will be a consensus take. It was certainly more memorable. Um, although, the, although the first match everyone's going to remember because it was Cody's comeback. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think before we go to Cody's future or double back to that, yep. Rick Skelton has this question here, and I think it's a very good one. Yep, so I was going about, to. Okay, you want to read it? Yeah, he says, yes, his patron of the show, Ricky Skelton. Great dude, by the way. Thanks for checking in. Rick, mm-hmm. uh, afternoon, should Seth go away? He's done everything, has the worst character in modern WWE history, and has now decisively put over Cody three times, and credit to him. What can he possibly do next? First of all, the character, I agree. Absolutely hate it. When he came out doing that laugh, I think I put in our Facebook group, if I was watching this with a bunch of people who weren't familiar with the product and they walked in and saw that cackling going on, like everybody immediately would have said, turn the channel. We're not watching this. It's it's like go away heat. I don't get it, but he's a great performer outside of the character. I wrote this in the Facebook chat last night. So my <laughs> wife is watching part of the show with me, and they sh- show I the, the video package. I don't think it was the one before the match. They showed like a 
a Seth Rollins specific one in the middle of the show that they'd shown before, like him growing up and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they, anyway, when they get to the part with his new character, uh, Cammy goes, "My God, what have they done to Seth Rollins? What a douche!" <laughs> she like, I mean, again, Seth Rollins kind of his ascent is when she first like saw wrestling for the first time, and yeah. he and and some of her friends who CrossFit like he was at the gym with them or something. And she thought that was kind of cool. And so she mm. thought he was kind of cool by proxy, but she was yeah. like, she's like, Oh my God. She's like, why is he acting like that? <laughs> and I was like, well, they pay him to. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I mean, Seth has always been one of their top workers in the ring, but yeah, this character is, is real bad. One of my kids is notorious for whenever Seth is on TV, she walks in and says, what is that awful laugh? Even when he's not doing it. Cause she's just associated with, that with him now yeah. but yeah what do you do with him next um i have one idea you, you go ahead Kyle. So, this is an interesting question that uh rick poses because i thought of it too first of all i do credit seth most quote-unquote top performers in this age aren't going to put over a new guy three straight times on pay-per-view like he did but it was the right thing to do and as for the twenty thousand dollar question what do you do with them do i care so i don't <laughs> i don't really want to think about it they can't really do anything that we haven't seen before, <laughs> but I mean, one idea I had is, look, if you're looking for a baby face for him to work, I know he, you know, the crowd still loves Kevin Owens. Do you send Kevin Owens over there to Raw and have him feud with Seth Rollins? Well, I, I, I mean, that's one thing the, they could do. Well, here's the thing. Um, I think we're going to see that brand split get yeah. softened. It's already being softened. So, you know, they could send anybody over. I don't know. I, here's the problem. They have a lot of guys who are out right now. Mm-hmm. So can you, you can't afford to really just take Seth off TV. But yeah. that's probably what I would do. God, another guy off TV. I mean, they're in a... This is what happens, though. Where you put all of your eggs in one basket. A guy gets injured. Roman's working a reduced schedule now with his new contract. And you've you got nothing. Because the thing is, okay, if you're going to keep him on TV, he needs to be rehabbed. And I mean, I guess you could just, but I don't want to see him get rehabbed as this character. No. You know, I mean, that's usually, it's funny because usually when a guy puts work, oh, well, what do you do with them now? And again, I'm, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. I don't really care. I, mm-hmm. I, I hope it's a reduced role. I hope it's not something at the top of the card. You know, I guess whether it's Owens, whether it's somebody else, they find some sort of self-contained feud for him. Cause that's kind of what they've done for the bulk of the last 12 months, right? He had this and he had edge. Yeah. So I, I don't know. And Ryan in the chat, I bet with Cody out, Seth is a top option for money in the bank. I don't want it, but could see it. I mean, well, he, again, you have to have six people in that match, right? And you yeah. have to have people who are willing to take a certain style of bump in that match. And they have to be at a certain level. You're right. I mean, I could just see them at short term. They have to put him in there. Uh, no one will buy that he would win. I certainly would hate to see him win. But let's talk about Cody moving forward, because that's far more fascinating than Seth freaking Rollins, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, you talk about him being out for a while. Um, a lot of folks, us included, thought when he came into the promotion, he would be a logical winner of Money in the Bank. That's off the table now, but... Does Cody even need to win Money in the Bank? Not after that no. performance. What he no. doesn't—he doesn't need the tangible briefcase to 
symbolize this man as a potential future world title contender. He just get it. He just is. He doesn't need, you know, some stupid ass briefcase. And again, we're going to talk about in this program, people that they've got lined up for Roman for Roman's limited schedule. By the way, Roman's got like probably what three title defenses the rest of the year. You got Lashley's getting one of them. We know when McIntyre's getting his Orton's a guy you can plug in whenever he's ready to go. So I don't, I think Cody and we don't know the status of the rock match. Okay. Okay. I just, I, I saw something that really just <laughs> grinded this show to a halt here. I'm going to keep going. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so, he's really injured. Yes. He is okay. really injured. Yes. Okay. There's a comment um, in our chat. He's not really, he's, he's definitely actually injured, guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, so as before I was, uh, before this train went off the tracks, um, Cody to me is the guy who they're, kind of saving on the back burner if Rock doesn't do the match for Mania. Like, if Rock can't go, then mm-hmm. it's very obvious what you do with Cody. Cody wins the Rumble and he challenges Robert Reigns at WrestleMania. Yeah. But now, if Rock does do the match, it becomes very interesting what you do with Cody. Do you have him beat Reigns for the title? Do Rock Reigns is a non-title situation, even though that's going to be the clear headliner anyway? I mean, it will be interesting to see if we have the unified title still at that point. Yeah. I mean, because well, if I, not, you could have them going for one of the other titles. But I, I do think, especially, like, we we have talked about so much here on the show that Cody as world champion this year made a lot of sense because he felt so special and they need to do something different because the shows have all been so routine and the same for so long. Now that's not an option. Now he's going to be gone for a while. So if he comes back at the Royal Rumble, you got to go full bore with him at that point, right? So you want it to be a, a title match for him. So I don't know if they keep the titles unified. That'll be, I don't, I don't know what their what their plan is right now for that. Well, I haven't heard I, anything. So. I, I wouldn't, you know, I know a lot of people are complaining about it, the titles being unified and how we, you know, there's there's no title matches seemingly, but I mean, this show sold out. Money in the Bank's already sold out. SummerSlam is going to, you know, sell a lot of tickets in that stadium. The show at the castle is going to do great. Mm-hmm. I, it's clear. I don't think you need to have all these title matches. I wouldn't ununify the title, especially with the main event injury situation. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you you don't have enough contenders for two world titles. You actually, the way it is right now with Roman's limited schedule, have a perfect kind of chain uh, of contenders set up for him. I, and I think they're probably looking at that content. So I don't know, maybe Cody versus Roman at the rumble based on the injury. Yeah, we'll see. We shall see. Uh, let's take you through the rest of the card. Let's go to the top. All right. The second best match of the night, no doubt the triple threat women's match that opened the show. Now, you know, initially this was going to be a much different match before the whole Sasha and Naomi thing happened. Um, what we had here, probably a better match than what we would have got. So you get Becky Lynch out there, you get Asuka, and of course, Bianca Belair. Now, we've seen a lot of triple threat matches in WWE over the years, Kyle. And usually they're about the same thing. And with the finish, much in the same way that we've seen over the years. I felt that this was better than a typical triple threat match that we see with WWE 
in that, you know, as we always talk about, they always do the spot where someone gets taken out for several minutes and it's a singles match. And then someone gets taken out. It's just like a revolving singles match. This one was laid out a little more uniquely. I thought they weren't out of the match for as long as in other triple threat matches. There's a lot of in and out in the ring. The transitions were more free flowing. I felt I liked the match better than most WWE triple threat matches. Uh, one last thing on the last match here. I'm sorry. I became distracted towards the end as we have a, a brawl breaking out in our chat, <laughs> I which this, I like, yes. but uh, the panel went four for oh, four and oh on Seth in the pre-show which yeah. is what guaranteed that Cody was still going over last night. Yes. Uh, anyway, yeah. on to this opening triple threat. I think the key to this one, what made it a little bit better than your normal triple threat, is that the fans in the building saw all three women as stars. Oh, yeah. I, I think that was the key to the match. Uh, I thought the build for this was borderline wretched. I wrote this in the Facebook group. You had Asuka earning a title shot in the wake of Sasha and Naomi's walkout. Uh, but then she loses to both Becky. The loss to Becky makes it a three-way. And then she loses to Bianca on TV uh, with the distraction finish. That kind of booking never makes you want to see a three-way more. Uh, I might be on an island, but I thought you know this was just watching the video package. I think Becky and Asuka's promos stink. Uh, and coming in, and we'll double back to this point, even though Bianca won the big match at Mania, Becky has remained the focus of this division on Raw, yeah. week in, week mm-hmm. out, where she seems like she's still the top woman on the brand. And my thinking was Bianca should be put over strong here. Now, what she did is steal the pin and, and pin Asuka. Which yeah. is Man not what slam, I stole the pin. Yeah, which is not what I would have done. But I'm going to maybe foolishly put some faith in WWE. I realize that Money in the Bank is in Las Vegas. What happened in Las Vegas last year? Becky beat Bianca. Certainly, they've got to be doing a rubber match between the two at Money in the Bank, right? If they do that, and Bianca gets a definitive second pin on Becky then I'm totally cool with what they did here, actually. That seems most likely to me. That's what I would do. You would hope. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and, and as for the match, I, I know you kind of talked about triple threats in general. Like you, I have fatigue with them, particularly with the WWE. Very formulaic. I mean, you know, I saw people just like raving about this match. This is the typical deal where a bunch of people on Twitter seem to think this was a four-star match where I'm in the three-star range. I was just, as I was watching, I was like, God, I feel there's been like three or four women's world title triple threats on pay-per-view that seem very familiar or similar to this over the last 12 to 15 months. I think to make triple threat matches work these days, you need to go real fast-paced, faster-paced than the women did here and do lots of cool spots. Kind of like the tag title match, double or nothing, was a better-than-usual triple threat. Uh but, you know, like you said, this one was a little better than most. I thought it kind of fell apart down the stretch, though. Yeah, I thought I thought Asuka was really good in this match. Like, her offense looked really good in the match. She had a German she, suplex that looked really good. Her striking looked really yeah, good. Yeah, there was, a, there was a sequence on uh, Becky that was great, and the crowd ate mm-hmm. up. And then right after, uh, Bianca came in and did her vertical suplex where she danced a little bit. Yeah, That was, like, the high point of the match. But I just thought, like, down the stretch... It just kind of became, okay, we've got ideas and 
they weren't that great of ideas and, and we saw some of the usual flaws of a triple threat. I know people like raved about the idea. Oh, well, Becky was trying to steal pins the whole match and Bianca won up her. Okay, I guess that's something, but unless yeah. it, it, hopefully Bianca beats Becky at Money in the Bank and solidifies herself as the top woman in the division. And at SummerSlam, here's my idea. I would do a unification match, Bianca versus Ronda. Hell yeah. I like that. Might as well. They can't they don't really have anything compelling other than that, do they? We especially no, I mean, if Sasha and Naomi are out. So no, I mean I mean Ronda wasn't even on the show. We've got Natty challenging her for God's sake. Natty. Natty. So do we think if the original plans would have gone through and Bianca would have beaten Naomi here, they were gonna do Becky over Asuka? at this show to then set up this rematch that we both think is coming Bianca and Becky. Is that what we think the original plan was? I mean, that's the only way seems logical to get there. I I think so. Yeah. I mean, Asuka was just here to eat a pin, I think. Yeah. But she was very good in doing so. As I said, I had, I had this match at three and a half stars. I wasn't as high as some people on Twitter, but as I said, I did think it was better than your typical triple threat WWE women's match, especially I thought it was free-flowing. It felt more natural, a little less scripted throughout. Did fall apart a little bit towards the finish, as you mentioned. Bianca winning is the only right call here. I'll go three. And by the way, with the main events, I'm not going to decide on a rating for that. I absolutely want to watch that back. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, th- th- this, this just to me was a three-star. It was a good match. Yeah, nothing more, yeah. nothing less. Um, Lashley and Omos and MVP out there. Um, <laughs> MVP's rap before the match was... The video they put together, that was pretty good. Not bad. Omos, still bad. Oh, Bobby wins with the hurt lock. I don't have hardly any notes in this match. I mean, they did the spot where Omos was running around ringside. I put in the Facebook group. I'm pretty sure my three-year-old could beat him in a foot race. Very slow. It's the same thing they used to do with Strowman. I don't know what they're trying to do with that. All it does is show off how not agile the guy is. He, look, he, he runs around ringside. You know, he sends Bobby through the ringside barrier next to the timekeeper. Okay, whatever. But he looks so slow in doing so. So dopey. He's not good. Bobby wins. Hopefully, that's the end of this. And after the match, Bobby celebrated with a replica belt. Basically, signifying he's coming for the WWE title. He wants to be champion again. I will say, this crowd was massively into Bobby Lashley. He was yes, very man. over with this crowd. Yes. So point one, this was the second match in a row where a person who was just thrown into the match to take a fall did. Right. In the first match, we talked about Asuka was there just to eat a pin because they want to build to presumably to Bianca versus Becky three here. MVP. Okay. Was put in the proceedings because they didn't want to beat Omas again and they wanted to put Lashley over. So Okay, so so this was, I guess, what you thought. I think it's a very good sign for Lashley how over he was with this audience um, because we had expressed some concern a month ago taking MVP away from him, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. that the, the Lashley MVP act was one of the better acts in WWE and had been for some time. So... Are you cheapening that act? Are you lessening that act? Well, it looks like Lashley's going to be able to get over just fine as a babyface without MVP. So that's a very good sign uh, 
for him moving forward. I think Omas stinks is my third point. I've said it a long time ago on this podcast, and I was very pleased with some of our listeners picking up on it. There was a discussion, I believe, subsequently on Facebook. This is a guy who's seven foot whatever and could not sniff an NBA roster. What does that say about him as an athlete? He is way more Jorge Gonzalez than he is Braun Strowman or Andre the Giant or whomever the hell else you want to talk about. He's just not a good athlete at all. He is so slow. I saw somebody else tweet, if you're watching this show, do you think you can outrun Omas in a race? The answer is yes. Everybody watching. I mean, he, he looks like his selling looks like he's giggling. Yes. It, 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 he's just not a good – I don't know what you do with – that's another guy. We talk about Rollins. What do you do? Moving, I don't know what the hell you do with Omas. We were stunned he was still around, you know, yeah, post-mania. He's not a main event player. You've kind of exposed that. And, I mean, are you just going to have him, like, just beat the 24-7 crew? And He's a guy who should have learned in, a, in a, down in NXT. That's what NXT is for. But they mm-hmm. rushed him up because of his size. Foolish yep. play by those yep. in charge with him. Now, let's talk Lashley moving forward because it's interesting. Cody's hurt. Randy Orton's hurt. We don't know about Ra- Randy Orton. According to Meltzer, was the plan for Roman at SummerSlam. I would absolutely do Lashley versus Roman at SummerSlam. Yeah. Lashley is a guy, again, does not need to win money in the bank. Remember, he was not pinned for the title he lost at Elimination Chamber. So it, it makes sense. He could come out tonight on Raw and say, okay, I'm done with that. Omas, MVP, old news. You saw, you know, him holding up the title was no accident. So they're going to go in this direction for sure, I think. They, they wouldn't have had him do that if, if they didn't want him um, thought of as a future contender. So, and that's a big match for them, Lashley and Roman. I think he was told to do that. Um Listen to Observer Radio this morning, and Alvarez was talking about that. I, I would have to rewatch this, but at the end of the match, apparently, like the referee that ran out was like screaming at Lashley, yelling at him to do something, and he thinks that he was yelling at him to go get that title and to do that. So yeah, they were pivoting, it, like tell him, like because their their booking is changing here on the fly because of the Cody injury, you know, and, and everything that's going on at the top of the card. So uh, I think he was told to do that. <laughs> so that, that's probably what they're pivoting to. And this is WWE where everything is so heavily scripted. Somebody would not go into business for themselves and grab a fan's replica title and start claiming, I want the title back. That would never happen. So whether he was instructed by that referee or whatever, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, that was not done uh, for no reason. So, yeah, Lashley to me makes a ton of sense uh, to challenge Roman Reigns at SummerSlam right now. By the way, with with this discussion that I've got one eye on in our group about Cody and his chest – Triple H, a few months ago on Twitter, he had the torn pack too. He shared it had the same discoloration. That's what it looks like when you have this injury. I can't believe there was someone in our chat thinking that this is not a real injury. You guys, they worked 25 minutes. Did you see any paint come off anywhere? Like there was, there was, it did not change at all. Um, It was, if you've ever seen this injury, that's what it looks like. It was legit. It's legit. It's a real injury. Yes. You're working yourself into a shoot. If you don't think it's a real injury. Uh, So like, (laughs) I mean, when, uh, whatchamacallit, your boy, uh, the, 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 uh, Finn Balor, when he works and he's got the paint on his chest, it comes off. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
Cody was touching it a lot during the match. You know why? Because it fucking hurt a lot. (laughs) And there was nothing on his hands. Yes. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's a real injury. Some of you guys need to get out of your basements. It's real life. All right. Moving on. So, yeah, Lashley, it makes a lot of sense for SummerSlam. Totally agree with you. Because what else would you do with them? Because, like, if 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 he's clearly a guy who's going to challenge Roman moving forward, and you... If he's not going to do it right away, well, what do you do with him between now and then? Randy's a guy who you can plug in at any time. And that's a mark in his favor. It's very rare, right? That I mean, it's just like, oh, shit, Roman's going to defend. Who do we have? You could put Randy Orton at any time. He doesn't have to do SummerSlam. To me, Lashley coming off a win like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's blow through the rest of this card quick. So <sighs> I mentioned Kevin Owens before. Is that a reference to me saying blow? Yes, it was. <laughs> You're so quick on your feet, man. I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah Kevin Owens, I, you know, I mentioned him a little bit ago. Kevin's it's fresh on the line. I was doing research for the, 92, the next 92 show with Liam. Yes, that'll come at some point this year, folks. And all the Hulk Hogan cocaine quotes were incredible. Well, this crowd was super high on Kevin Owens. He got Hey-o. great... Great reaction coming out. Um, you know, this Ezekiel thing, whatever. It's somewhat entertaining television, I guess. But, you know, KO gets the win here. Not much of a match. Uh, wins with the pop-up powerbomb. You got the uh, Sekiro Moonsault out of KO at one point in the match. Average television match. So Anything I on felt, this? Yeah, I felt this was kind of a weird post-mania marriage. Because Owens, after the Austin thing, was a guy who needed wins, right? Kind of like Mm -hmm. needed to be rehabbed a little bit. But I was like, yeah, are they going to beat the new character, Ezekiel, in his first match? And as I was watching this match, and I know people have said this uh, a lot in recent weeks when watching Ezekiel work on television, people are amused by his character, but no one cares when he's actually wrestling. And this was clearly the right decision. Owens is a guy who they just gave a lot of money to, by the way, at the start of the year. So you don't want him losing to prelim guys. Uh, Owens is one of getting back to the marriage of Owens and Ezekiel in this program. Owens is also one of like two people in the company that was capable of making this storyline work. Kudos mm-hmm. to him. Kevin Owens, I like him a lot. He absolutely should have won. He also coming off this felt like a big deal. There's no sense having him lose to a clear lesser. I think one of the big stories of this is they just didn't, of this show, is the guys who are clearly earmarked for the higher part of the card, they just all won. And they're yeah. not wasted. They're not pussyfooting around with any 50-50 booking here. They're just putting, hey, this is the guy we're going to push. He's going to win. Let's keep going. So right decision. Uh, interesting to see where they go with KO because I think the crowd, to your earlier point, likes him and wants to cheer for him. So how can't can't he stay as a heel? By the way, what did you think of MVP's rap? We didn't hit on that. Yeah, I I liked I thought the video was really good. I liked I it the, fine. I thought the rap I know I know there was it was pretty divisive in the uh, in okay. our Facebook group, but I thought it was all right. I I just don't like to miss anything. By the way, in the notes, and by the way, you had a great comment on Ezekiel that he looks like if Ultimate Warrior Rick Martel had a baby. <laughs> the Warrior would not like that comment very much. No. Yes. <laughs> So what's the end game with Ezekiel? Do again, do we care about the loser here at no. all? Okay. I mean Cammy's watching this. Cammy Yeah, Cammy's like, I liked Elias, is what she said. She's like, are is he gonna go back to being him then? At some point, I mean you might as well, right? 
The only thing I liked, I mean, Elias, I guess it's fine. It's a, it's a fine underneath character. Let him go out there and sing a little bit. Sometimes they're yeah. funny. What he would say about the local crowds. You get Michael Cole working in a Bruce Springsteen reference every week. I'm fine with yeah. that. Yeah. But again, a guy for the top of the card earmarked a guy, beat a guy who's earmarked for the prelims. So no problem there. Yeah. Now I agreed with what you said in, in the Facebook group during this next match. All right. Judgment day. The judgment St- day. The judgment day. No E. Against AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. Um, I kind of lost interest in the show at this point too. Like the match was fine, but, and you got big names out there, AJ, Finn, Edge, you know, but like, it was just nothing in this match really hooked me. Um, and we've said this a lot about the judgment day angles in particular, you know, over the last couple of months now, it's something fresh. They're trying something. I give them credit there. They had new ring gear for this match. It was kind of cool. I think the presentation and their entrance looks cool, like the graphics and everything. I know you're not a fan of the theme song. I won't make you imitate Alter Bridge, Kyle. But, I mean, overall, like, yeah, it's different. But as they say, Kyle, and then the bell rang. It was just very standard. This continues the streak of premium live events where the edge match grinds the show to a halt. Yeah. And here's breaking news for the pod, okay? Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio said Edge did nothing for him in this match. He did. Sound the alarm. Mm-hmm. Throw a parade. Praise <laughs> Jesus. It's finally happened. Maybe people could start seeing this for what it is and that it, it's no good. The judgment day? Was, I mean, if you look at this match, was Liv Morgan the biggest winner in this match? Like, she looked, she looked like she improved the most in the match, I would say. Well, like she, she was the standout to me in the match. She was also the one who had the most reason to give effort. Like, I think everyone yeah, else is yeah. pretty much settled in at their level where she is probably out there still trying to prove to the powers that be, writing team, whatever, hey, please keep me at this level. Please keep me doing something important. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, she gave a good effort. But, yeah, this match just did absolutely nothing. Uh, the Judgment Day wins again. So Edge is beating AJ one-on-one. At two pay per views, thanks to interference from Priest yeah. and Ripley, uh, Pre- yeah, Priest and Ripley, and then they win here. I guess this feud must continue at some point. The baby faces must win, right? You would, I mean, you would think. I don't know if they're hinting at something here. I mean, we've all kind of expected that Balor's going to turn. Balor took the heat segment for a long stretch in this match, and then at the end, after the finish, which, let me go through the finish, and then we'll talk about this. So the finish was. Balor reversed a spear from Edge into an inside cradle for a two count. That was cool. That was very well done. Very crisp looking. Uh, then Balor went up top for the coup de grace, but Ripley walked into the ring to stop him. He was kind of confused there because she was getting in the way. And then Liv comes in, Liv and, and Ripley then fight to the outside. So then Balor jumps off the top for the coup de grace. He misses, gets up, gets speared by Edge for the pinfall. And then the end was all of Judgment Day standing over Balor, who who was writhing in pain on the mat. And they shot it where, like, they're shooting low, or Balor's, like, right in your face grimacing while Judgment Day stands over the top of him with, you know, all the lights dimmed and the purple glow and everything. And, you know, we're all expecting this Balor turn, possibly. And I don't know if they're hinting at, you know, this is coming. But, yeah, again, they lose. So, who knows? And by the way, the, the Edge Twitter gimmick of him just, like, tweeting random photos of people teasing that they might be next in the group. That stinks. 
that 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 absolutely stinks. It is a rotten, rotten social media gimmick. I know Edge is really trying. By the way, I believe this is a contract year for Edge. So he really needs to like kind of create some buzz for himself over the next few months. Yeah. Because I mean, are you giving Edge another three million dollars? For this? You know, I could think of worse things than Edge coming over to AEW. At least he'd feel a little fresh. God, I don't know <laughs> if I want him there. By the I way, mean, not, so, not to work full time or anything like yeah. that, but to, you know, to do something here or there. I get uh, somebody joked that his hair was almost Hulk Hogan Halloween Havoc '96 esque. Here, it was doing weird <laughs> things, man. I, you know what I thought of when it was sticking straight up? Doc off of Back to the Future. Okay, kind of looked like looked like the Doc yeah. a little bit. I don't know. I just thought this match. Th- I, there's going to be some mix up in the machinations. I think moving forward, I don't think you can just run this six person match back again, can you? I mean, you can. I mean, we've seen <laughs> I mean, it before. <laughs> I mean, they did Cody and Seth three times. They've done yeah. Edge and AJ three straight times at a pay-per-view. I don't know. Do you just keep adding people? He tweeted Corey Graves as a person. That was real bad. Mm. No, let's not. The let's Judgment not. Day? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought. I definitely thought we were going to get a new member last night. That's what a lot of people thought didn't happen. It's, it's coming, so we'll see. <laughs> Rick says, where do you draw the line with AEW signing everyone? Definitely Edge. I'm not saying I want Edge to come in, Rick, and be like week to week, challenging for the world title. But I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't mind seeing him have the availability to come in and do a match or two at some point it would, as a special attraction kind so of thing. Because I, I feel- Edge and WWE, I mean, Kyle, you don't need to see it anymore. All right, obviously. I'm going to just irritate you because I'm going to go off on a weird tangent here. Because I, I've thought about it. It's fresh in my mind. It's Edge-related. Okay. But you, you know what the issue with Edge is? I actually feel sorry for Edge a little bit. Because I think he wants to have his cake and eat it too. I think he is of the mindset. He's like, okay, you know, he's a guy who does value what certain corners of the internet say. A certain corner that maybe the WWE decision makers don't respect or don't care about. Maybe a lot of other people within WWE like the other performers don't respect or care about, but I think edge does care about it. And I think edge is desperate to show, Hey guys, like I can, you know, be in WWE and do WWE style, but have the respect of that corner of the internet, you know, the corner of the internet that likes AEW more, you know, doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily too key. Right. Do do you think that's Mm -hmm. a fair kind of guess in edges mindset? Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's just not working is the problem. It's just not. I feel bad no. for him because I think he's really desperate to make that work. And Edge's biggest strength is, to me, his biggest weakness in that he can do WWE style well, I guess. I mean, this is what WWE wants him to do. I just think it's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I would love to see, I guess, Edge try outside of a WWE environment to see what he can do. That's what I'm saying. But, yeah, but I, at the same time, I don't know if I want him to see him at right now either. <laughs> he can go. He has a he has a beautiful home. I could tell from that documentary. Go hang out there. That documentary was awesome. By the go way, go to the that smoke, was a fantastic one. Yeah, hang out in the Smoky Mountains, smoke a bowl. <laughs> All right, moving on. Madcap Moss, Kyle. Talk about smoke a bowl. <laughs> Happy Corbin. 
No holds barred. Look, th- Moss comes out. He got a really good pop. Like the crowd kind of wants to get behind this guy. For God's sakes, stop calling him Madcap. Riddick Moss is a good name. I, I put this in the group last night. Like somebody remind Vince McMahon that there was once a boxer named Riddick Bowe who was the world champion, who was a draw. And tell him, look, Riddick is a cool name. Madcap, not a cool name. Let's, no. let's take that away. Nobody let's not would... just call him Moss either. Because or so... Madcap. <laughs> yes. Someone put in the, was it in, uh, I think it was on Twitter. Someone was like, well, then they'll probably just call him Moss. And I was like, give Vince McMahon a flow chart that shows Riddick Bow and Randy Moss. And say, let's combine these two. Let's just make him Riddick Moss again. Please. People want to get behind this guy. Let's end this. By the way, hopefully this is the end of this feud. They should have, with this angle that they did to finish, for God's sakes, Corbin should be off TV for weeks. He got pilmanized his neck. Can can I jump in there? Um, I said this at the end of our last pay-per-view, and he doubled down on it last night, but Rovert is adamant that Corbin is taking time off for paternity leave. Remember, I said that on our our, uh, backlash show. I said, hey... If this doesn't happen, don't get mad at me. I'm just parroting what Rovert said on Twitter. He said it again last night. And based on that finish, yeah, you would think that he's another guy. who. Now, I don't know how the hell they're filling up five weeks of TV with all these guys who are saying need to leave television. Uh, But that's their problem, not mine. Uh, With Madcap Moss, Ryan, the funny thing is not just that they kept a stupid name when they had a chance to put a fresh coat of paint on him, but... They changed up his look a little bit. I mean, they did take away the suspenders, which is good. But his look is very much 2003 velocity. Listen to what you just said. They took away his suspenders, which is good. This promotion. I I feel like I'm talking about Barry Horowitz in 1995. (laughs) Oh, God. But look, the right guy. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I could make a case for Corbin to beat a single person in WWE right now. Like if he never won another match, I, I think it would be too soon. Can't disagree. I mean, he's been there, God, he's he's been around for over six years on the main roster. Yeah, and the, the crowd's not going to see him past a certain level. Moss, uh, I don't know. Maybe he can be a guy who goes after Gunther when Gunther <laughs> presumably beats Rick O'Shea, your boy, for the Intercontinental Title. By the way, the Intercontinental title has not been defended on pay-per-view since WrestleMania 37. Unbelievable. And uh, WrestleMania 37 was last year, by the way. We're past WrestleMania 38. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, Moss gets the win. Like I said, uh, he pilmanized Corbin's neck, basically put Corbin's neck through a chair and then hit it with the steel steps. Um, This match did not have heat. This is where they wanted the table, though. Yeah, the, the, this match did not, yeah. again, I, I talked about that edge match grinding this to a halt. Um, this didn't have, but they did work hard. I'll, I'll give them yeah. that. I, I'll yeah. recognize effort. These guys worked hard. It's just, it's an underneath feud involving people named Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin. <laughs> again, we have people named Gunther, Suspenders. What are we doing in this promotion? <laughs> Can we have like good names? <sighs> I, we say this all the time. I can't believe anyone sits in those creative meetings and thinks like, oh, yeah, that'll work. That's a good name. This will be, be a star. This will be someone the fans take seriously. Is that a positive or a negative remark, Rick, about <laughs> comparing Madcap to Mojo Rawley? I never know sometimes with Rick. This is a man who 
likes WrestleMania 9, so I don't want to just assume things. <laughs> All right. The last match we haven't discussed was the U.S. title match with the non-scientific theory, as you say, Kyle, <laughs> taking on Mustafa Ali, Ali's hometown. Um, they show his wife and kids. They show his friends in the crowd. He comes out, which this shirt could not have been designed by WWE because it was actually good. Uh, he comes out with this shirt that looks like Chicago Bulls colors with the Chicago stars on it. I immediately said, I would actually buy that shirt. So, of course, it's not on WWE shop. Um, I assume he must have put it together himself or it was limited. They didn't even sell it in the arena, according to our guy, Zach Haydorn. So uh, not making money where they could have there. But he had the Chicago gear, which was cool. Gets a nice pop. Um but in the end, I, I can't really disagree with Theory going over here. I would have liked to have seen Ali win. The, they got the crowd to buy that Ali might win, which is what they wanted to do, obviously. But as you said in the group, Kyle, this theory is just not over. He's not that over. He's continuing to do the stupid selfie thing after the match. Whatever. I mean, I it was an it was a it was a decent match. Again, this was like a TV match to me, though. It's like what you would see every week on Raw. Yeah, they think the selfie thing's contemporary and cool, so he's going to keep doing it. Uh, again, the crowd wanted desperately to get into this match, but it was what I said on Facebook. I, I Even if Ali were to win this feud and get the title, it would be like a cup of coffee rain and they wouldn't push him well. So why have any faith in this match? Right. Update for our listeners, if you're not watching the video, uh, Mojo Rawley is never a positive, according to Rick Skelton. I would agree with that. So, but... And the crowd echoed that. They 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 just knew Ali wasn't going over here. And man, they beat him clean as a sheet. Yep. Uh, woo! Was that a finish? And I got a theory. Good fundamentals, not over. Nope. And I guess they're going to just will him to being over. And it, there's going to come a point where there's just not going to be enough people. So people will probably eventually take to theory. I think they're going to do that Cena thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like say it, and I guess if WWE keeps saying, "Well, this guy's you know the, he's the youngest U.S. champion and he's so great, he's the future," and Vince McMahon endorses him, they're going to just try to will it into existence. And if with that audience, if he works and John Cena, if he works Cena and Cena puts him over, okay, I guess then they, they've got it. I mean, I guess you can't complain about that. You got to push new people. I just it's telling how many people in this promotion through the years sort of get over organically and they don't run with it. And yet here you've got the not scientific theory who they've, you know, put with Vince McMahon and he's just not over. Like the crowd doesn't respond to him a lot at all. He has good fundamentals. He's a guy who probably should have gotten a long run as NXT champion because then People would have been, the people who would have watched that product, who at least, you know, which is only part of the audience, would have bought him, okay, they would have seen him as a future star coming in. Yeah. Not just, when when the way they brought him up, he was kind of just a JTTS guy, right? Remember he was like in a tag team with, uh, oh God, who was he in a team with originally? He was matched by like Zelina Vega, like at first, yeah. and then he went away. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the Cena thing, even if they get Cena to come back and do a match with him and put him over, is that going to be 
like the kind of win that the crowd even buys? Like they're so not into Austin Theory. Even if he beats Cena, is it going to matter? I mean, I know it's pinning John Cena, but if the crowd even just shits on that, does it matter? It depends how he looks, I guess, yeah. in yeah. that match. Again, I mean, like I said, he's got fundamentals. I just, maybe it's because he's just working with underneath people. And maybe it's because he lost to the SmackDown commentator, a novice wrestler <laughs> at WrestleMania, and was like made to look like the third wheel in a deal with Vince McMahon and Pat McAfee. I still don't understand what the hell that was. I assume we will never get any follow-up on it. It will never be spoken again because Vince McMahon was horrific in that whole ordeal. But uh, that reminds me of something else. You know how sick I am, Brian? In the head, this is. Oh, okay. Uh, Sometimes I will challenge my own viewpoints as I sit. I'll be like, okay, I said this on Top Rope Nation. Let me attack my own viewpoint here. Let me see if I can pick it apart. And I've been very critical of the fact that theory who they have earmarked for you know apparently for the top of the car to be a big future player lost to Pat McAfee at WrestleMania I think that's really stupid mm-hmm. and I was thinking I was like you know what okay Tito Santana he was once the Intercontinental Champion he feud with Jesse Ventura who was an announcer let's go through the history of WWE.com and look how that feud went down well I quickly was able to kind of support my original theory and I feel not my Austin theory, not my scientific theory, my theory on theory losing to Pat McAfee being stupid. So Tito, he did lose to count by count out to Jesse Ventura a few times, who was at that point transitioning to an announcer. But Tito did wind up winning that feud. He got pinfalls when Jesse was winding up his career in early 86. And then I started thinking, you can't compare Jesse Ventura 85-86 to Pat McAfee in 2022. Jesse had a long wrestling career. Yeah. And was an established, you know, worker. He wasn't a great worker. He was actually a pretty horrible worker, to be honest, in the <laughs> ring. But um, McAfee's just a guy who's had a couple matches. So I don't yeah. think that's – sometimes I do that just in case a Chad Repack will attack me randomly on a thing. I, I always like to, you know, really strengthen my arguments. By the way, there's your weekly mention, Chad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about this Austin theory. Just you compare him to a guy like Mustafa Ali who actually has – a very compelling real life story. People want to get behind this guy. And you look at the two and the one they're pushing is Austin theory. I theory, I should say, I don't, I don't get it, but you know, that's their call. It's their promotion. I, I, I get, I guess he's new and they haven't beaten him a ton. So angel yeah. Garza was the, who is he is who he oh, yeah. tagged yeah. him with way back when. All right, so that was Hell in a Cell 2022. Uh, before we take this home for the day and I get this out on the podcast feeds real quickly because you know we recorded in Vegas the day after Double or Nothing and then obviously a lot has happened in the AEW since then. We'll probably talk about it more on the show later this week. Uh, but clearly the big story is CM Punk is injured. We don't know exactly what the injury is. He said he had broken bones, I believe, plural, in his promo uh, on Rampage. He, he wrestled on Dynamite last week, but he was clearly in pain after he did the spot where he came off the top rope. We're not really sure where he got injured. Some were speculating it was on the crowd dive. And then I seen some stuff about within the match where he came off the top rope. Whatever the case is, I mean, there's a lot of information floating out there about how long Punk is going to be out of action. I've seen anywhere from six to 12 weeks sometime in there. It's not going to be like a Cody Rhodes situation. He's going to be back earlier than that. But obviously, they've 
chosen to do an interim champion. I'm not a huge fan of interim champions. They do this in the real world in combat sports, and it, you know the crowd doesn't really buy interim champions, but this is what they're going to do. So we're going to have a battle royal on Dynamite. The winner of the battle royal will then face John Moxley, who has went from, what, number four to number one in the, in the rankings in the last few days. Uh, so then Moxley will face the battle royal winner. That person will go on to Forbidden Door to take on the winner of Tanahashi and Hiroki Goto. So I assume it's going to be Tanahashi. We'll see what happens. We don't know who's going to be in the Battle Royal. They're down some star power right now. Um, Brian Danielson's out like one to two weeks right now with an injury. Uh, Alvarez had reported that Adam Cole was going to be out. They were going to hold him out of the ring until Forbidden Door. So, I mean, if you look at this Battle Royal on Wednesday night, you got to think they got to get Christian in there. Probably Wardlow, too. Don't you think? I mean, you want to protect Wardlow, but, I mean, they're down... What about Eddie Kingston? Kingston, yeah. I, I, I would I would consider making Eddie Kingston the interim champion. Yeah, why not? Because at least would be I I think I'm the only person who doesn't really like the idea of Mox as the interim champion. I don't know. It just seems kind of boring. It doesn't really do much for me. I, I don't mind it, but I honestly I'd like to see him when he gets the title back be a more what's the term for it? Like real championship run versus an interim champion. I don't know. Well, okay. So let's talk about this interim thing real quick. You can call it an interim champion. You can call him the real world champion. You can call him Susan, whoever gets this thing. Okay. The bottom line is it's an interim world champion because everyone's going to view the person, whoever gets the title as someone who only has the title because punk got hurt. And it's all about waiting for a match when with punk, when punk can get back in the ring. Yeah. So the, the the kind of the mindset and the way you look at it uh, is no different whether they're doing an interim championship or not. Um, I, I think an interesting point to be made. We again, we don't know how long Punk is out. Look at Roman Reigns and his schedule. The world champion there. Did they need to strip Punk? Well, they didn't strip him. Oh well, well, whatever. Did they need to like? Do they need to create? I mean, could they have? Oh, just do they had... need to? Do do they need to create an interim champion? Yeah, I yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it could have been an opportunity to put some more focus on the TNT title. For a yeah. While. So, and Scorpio Sky, by the way, is also apparently a little banged up. So, I I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's what we're going to find out. You know, you know how I think that's the big concern to me is actually even more so than who gets this interim title is how long is punk out? Cause that's a big blow. I mean, they had, God, I mean, you hope he can be back by all out. Yeah. Three months. I mean, especially if it's in Chicago, if that's his return match, it's going to be absolutely huge. Two years in a row in Chicago. I mean, that's a, that's an argument to definitely have the show in Chicago. Yeah. If that's going to be the target date for him to return. Um, yeah. I mean, the unification match will be big. They could, I mean, that could be done in a big way to, Draw some buys. I'm not a huge fan of interim champions, but if they do it right, it'll be compelling. But I agree with you. They didn't have to do it. They could do videos, you know, punk from home, recuperating, keep the keep the world champion on the show, even though he's not wrestling here and there, not every week. I don't think that I don't think that they had to do the interim champion bit, but that's where we're at. I see in the chat people are saying MJF with his buzz. Um, I, I don't that that's an option too. It absolutely is. Uh, 
real quick, we'll just pivot. I'll have one last point. You don't, you can think about this maybe for the flagship next time. The most fascinating thing about that MJF promo last week was the reaction to the line about the XWWE guys making more money than him and how the crowd was with MJF there. I believe we've seen a little bit in the reaction towards like Ruby Soho that not just in the locker room, but within the AW fan base, there's this prevailing viewpoint bubbling under the surface. I think there's a lot of resentment toward this anti, this XWWE talent in the promotion right now. Agree. I, that was really notable when he said that, how they popped, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny. I think people like, Hey, there were a lot of our favorites that have kind of gotten put on the back burner with all these guys come in. And one thing with AEW, it's funny. How it's it's so different than WWE. We talk about all the absences with WWE. How in the hell are they going to fill five weeks of television with all these people out? Well, good thing AEW has like 800 people. I mean, they shouldn't have any problem <laughs> filling their three hours of weekly TV, right? Even yeah. though you've got some major names out. Yeah. Well, you know, it was kind of funny about, you know, he said that in that promo. And what was the next match out of the curtain after that promo? Joe and Johnny Elite, and it died in the ratings. Miro and, and Johnny Elite. Oh, Miro, pardon me. Yeah. Miro. Yes, Miro. That's Two right. ex-WWE guys. Yeah. Yeah. And now Exactly I what it, he just I, talked I, about, which is a little uncomfortable after he had just said that and the crowd popped. Yeah. May, may, I, I do Now, I do think the crowd likes Miro. I, I don't think it's there's like a blanket resentment toward everyone that's yeah. used to be in WWE, but I think it's something simmering. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. All right, everybody, we've got to wrap it up here. Got some things to do here around the house. So, got to find my wallet. <laughs> yeah, Kyle's got to find his wallet. So, got to mix the show, get this up on the podcast feeds. We'll be back later this week. Kyle's got an episode of Top Row Nation Extra coming this week for patrons only. So, sign up for the Patreon page if you want to hear that. He's doing a question and answer bit. So, details on that are over in the Facebook group if you want to get a question in for the bonus show. Still have time to get them over, folks. I'll probably put a reminder in Facebook. Hey, guys, let's send them over. I know there there's go. there are some good people in that Facebook group that haven't asked questions, and I know they've got good questions in them. I want to hear them. Yeah, so check it out. Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion on Facebook. You can follow Kyle on Twitter at TRP Kyle. I'm at Ryan Drosty, D-R-O-S-T-E. The show is everywhere. Instagram, Twitter as well, at Top Rope Nation. We'll see everyone again real soon. Real soon. Have a great week. Take care. Catch you next time.